Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, every week I lie about the food. I say it's really good. No, I I don't lie. It is really good every week. But this week, this week, it's crazy. It's crazy good. Uh, We got baked beans and chicken sausage. Super good. We got chicken, spicy chicken, super good buffalo chicken. We've got uh, chicken meatballs that are crazy. Um, And we got some hot dogs in there. We got fresh fields greens, fresh potato salad, some kind of cake thing, some kind of strawberry cake thing, pie, some kind of lemon pie thing, cookies that are unbelievable, ice cream. I did have me some ice cream. I'm not going to lie. Sour cream lemon. Oh. And then we got real cream. The reason we have real cream and ice cream is because we also had strawberry shortcake in little cups. It is gone, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're on your way here now and you're thinking you're going to get some of that, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. We'll make a sad face for you. So when I say we eat good here, not kidding, totally not kidding. Uh, It's just absolutely unbelievable. So anyways, um, that's what we do. That's how we do it at RK Halah. You can do it how you want at your Kehalah, but the way we do it at ours is we just like to eat, straight up like to eat. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We have people listening from all over the country and, in fact, all over the world. This past week, I got an email from Japan. I don't know why anybody would tune in from Japan, but they tuned in from Japan. And apparently, they know English better than me because they corrected me on a word I used. They said, don't you mean? I said, oh, Okay. All right, sorry. Uh, so anyhow, uh, we really appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys' patience. Those that listen to the Monday show, your patience with the audio problems that we had last week, it's all been fixed, and the um, the replay of it's available. It's free. Everything's free on there. Um, so we want to welcome listeners joining us all across the country. We're diving back into uh, Thessalonians. Of course, our bellies are full. I did mention last week chocolate chip cookies, and lo and behold, there are chocolate chip cookies. So if you if you want to come to this, we're in Newark, Delaware. Uh, it's super easy to get to. If you're, we have people sometimes come from almost two hours away, and uh, every other week we have great folks from Northwest Philly come, and we love to uh, love to have them. And when people come from near DC, and damn it, they they come. So uh, the food, it's not the preaching, but get belly full and 
the preaching will go well. We we are politically incorrect. Uh, we cut it straight, straight to the point. We're unmistakably pro-Israel. We're pro-America. I am the Black Robe Regiment. To the extent that we can, we use the appropriate and accurate Hebrew words for characters and places in Scripture. Now, I don't pretend to be Jewish, although we have people here that are Jewish, uh, but I'd be proud to be Jewish. And a special shout-out to a great friend, Dave Perkins. He is over in, I think, Jordan right now, uh, but uh, he's traveling in Jordan, Egypt, and um, and Israel. So doing a, a work. ISIS doesn't have a chance against Big Dave, trust me. But uh, so if you're looking, Dave, we're, we're praying for safety. Also, the pens of the Bible were predominantly held by Hebrew people, teaching us through their shared sacred struggle and experiences of faith. The Hebrew people are the original people of the land, Haaretz, and of our faith. We're not their origin or even perfecter of the faith. They're at the grassroots, the ground floor of our faith. Yeshua, just so you know, I'm going to use certain words. One of the words I'm going to use is Yeshua. That's the Hebrew name for the Lord. And what that means is Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. The English spelling of Yeshua is Joshua. However, when translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Iesus. The English spelling for Iesus is Jesus. Like the game of telephone played over 2,000 years, super, super important that you... Uh, if you're a listener and you listen every week, I, I would love for you to go and subscribe. If you would go and subscribe, that's very, very important to us. Um, and if you click on that, there's just some basic information. What is? What do they ask for? I don't even know it. Yeah, you can just click on follow. Is it follow or subscribe? I don't know which it is. I have to ask Sean everything because he knows everything. Subscribe. Yeah, so you go on that. You click on that. Perfect. So super easy. Super, super easy. So I encourage you to do that. By the way, how many got a chance to go look at TheNinjaPastor.com this past week? It's finished just about. We just one little other touch we're going to put on it. Um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, it's it's a it's a much different site than you saw before, and uh, and we're we're real pleased with it. And Kim Paul of of Truevine Web Creations did a great job for us. So shout out to Kim Paul. Um, also, Sean does the Facebook site, facebook.com backslash God in Country Radio. Cost you a penny. The chat room. I for <coughs> I forgot last week about the chat room, and I have to apologize. So I don't know if a bunch of people were on that or not, but I'm opening the chat room now. So um, I'm walking around talking, so I don't know how well I'll do with typing, talking, and walking, but you wouldn't believe what I do on the Monday show. Tomorrow's show, let me take a drink of water. <laughs> Acting. Acting right there. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'm all Rubio on it. Anyway, tomorrow's show, we're going to continue our series on, and that's at 4 o'clock Eastern Time, on how to survive the coming unfolding, really, of our society. And it is coming, make no mistake. Look at Baltimore, look at Chicago, look at Detroit, look at New York City. Crime is exploding there. Look at the city of Wilmington. You know, the city of Wilmington deserved the, the burial of Bo Biden. We wish the best to the Biden family. It's a terrible thing, 46 years old, brain tumor, and to pass away. Uh, so we wish that family the best. But Wilmington is, is uh, 
they can't brag about anything really anymore because uh, the crime is just just out of totally out of control. It's the deadliest city per capita in the United States of America, and that is a shame. All controlled by liberals. I don't know if that has correlated. You've got Baltimore. Almost everybody in the whole chain of command, from dog catcher up mayor, up you know, all the way up to just below the governor, is liberal. And every other city you look at, it's I don't know why people don't start catching on to that. But the deal is, here's the deal. Before I get started on today's message, here's the deal. Here's what you got to do. When conservatives have any element of power, like we control both both sides of the house, we have to exact control, do the right thing, and we can't be wimps. You know who keeps our representatives from being wimps? You do. We do. Uh, the Center for Self-Governance, that's we're going to be gearing up to schedule a class here again in Delaware. Um, very, very important. So today's uh, lesson on uh, with Sundays with Dr. Sean is how then shall I live? Have you ever wondered exactly as a believer how it is you're supposed to live out your daily life? And I'm not talking about the big stuff like where do I go, you know, what do I do? you know, the bigger, grander stuff. I'm talking about the little everyday stuff, the simple stuff, every day. I get literally thousands of email, pardon me, thousands of email messages uh, I I receive every week from just this program. And one of the most common questions I receive is, how am I supposed to live now that I'm a Christian? Or I get uh, messages from Messianic Jews or uh, what we call followers of the way. Really, originally, by the way, that's what we were called. If we were back in that time and we chose to place our faith in Christ, the Hamash, um, the the uh, because we believed that He was the risen Savior, the Messiah. If we were those people uh, back, then, we would not be called Christians because that was uh, pejorative. That was not a positive thing to be called. We would have been called followers of the way, and uh, so. People ask me, you know, I'm I'm become this Christian, I've become this messianic. Now what do I do? How do I live my life? And I thought, wow, you know, I get this question a lot. And lo and behold, the way God works stuff out is this week's lesson talks a lot about that. Phenomenal question. I also think that it applies to Christians or messianics uh, who have been a Christian, a believer in Christ. For many many years, I think it we over that simple stuff. We look at the big thing, the big picture. We skip over the little thing that really is very important. In this message, I'm going to give you the straight up truth from well explained scripture. How then shall we live? And I, I really do appreciate you joining this message. If you have the ability to text a friend, send them the link or or whatever, do that send it to them and let them know to listen. Uh, don't forget about subscribing. It only takes a minute. And by the way, on that, you receive, if you subscribe, you get, when I send out an announcement, you get that. Um, so anyway, so here we go. This is where we stopped last week at First Thessalonians. Oh, by the way, did you hear how well I said Thessalonians? Anybody notice anything different? Yeah. So after years, my uh, braces are off. My orthodontia is off. So everything is easier. So I have no excuse now, by the way. You know, I blamed everything on the brace. The Jap- to the Japanese lady listening who corrected me on my English, I I tried to blame it on the braces. I got no excuse this week. I'm just going to say it's Jerry's fault. 
So here we go. Therefore, brothers, just as you learned from us how yeah, – I'm going to go backwards a couple of verses from last week. Those of you who were here last week or those of you who, who subscribe and listen every week, you'll know that this is – we're going back a couple from where we finished. But I thought it was important because I realized, wow, I missed a couple of things. Therefore, just as you learned from us – who's talking? It's Shaul or Paul, the MS. Shaul or the Apostle Paul, uh, and they're collectively reaching out. Uh, um, oh yeah, you know how to do it. See, if I'd have, if I'd have seen, mm. had I seen those buns for real, I would have violated my no bread rule, and I would have definitely. Somebody just walked up here right up front. The good doctor, she's got a baked bean hot dog going right in front of me. Look at that. No, thank you. I appreciate it. This is rude right now. She's look what she's doing to the pastor, waving it under my face. If you guys were here, you you would not miss this. You'd be part of it. <laughs> as much as I love this group, you know they're evil. They're just evil. I know, just like me. I thought it no better. So so here's the thing. They're writing to Paul and and Sila, or people say Silas, Paul and Sila. Uh, and um, not Sila as in S-E-L-A-H, but Sila as in S-I-L-A. Um, they're writing to the Corinthian or the the church at Thessalonica, and or Thessalonica to be pronounced correctly. Um, and so they're, they're kind of cheering for them. They're exhorting them. And you know, I always say every week, little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Little things mean everything. This is a little thing that I went too fast over last week, so I want to hit this. Just as you learned from us how you had to live in order to please God. There's a common. Of course, there was no punctuation at the time. Here's what's important, and this is why I love the complete Jewish Bible. Stern does a phenomenal job at pulling out of the Scripture the context the Hebrew worldview, all of these things, he does such a phenomenal job at pulling that out by this. Therefore, comma, brothers, comma, just as you learned from us how you had to live, no comma, in order to please God, comma. Now, here's how that kind of reads. Therefore, as you learned from us how you had to live in order to please God. Last week, and every time I've ever read it, I've, I did not read that in its proper cadence. Because you learned from us how you had to live in order to please God. How you had to live in order to please God. Not uh, just a basic, simple, well, these are some things you do. If you want to please God, you do basic, simple things if you want to please God. These are things that are pleasing to God. No, it's not saying that at all. It's saying how you live in order to please God. All-encompassing. So go, going back and tearing this apart, breaking it down in the Hebrew and the Greek translations. The Greek really doesn't do it justice, but how shall we have said it? is the entirety of your life, the day-by-day, day, the moment-by-moment, moment, how to do that in order to please God. This is going to 
become very important. And I can't believe all these years I've missed it. Theologically speaking, I've missed it. Because, therefore, brothers, just as you learned from us how you had to live in order to please God, and just as you are living this way now, we ask you, indeed, united with the Lord Yeshua, we urge you to keep doing so more and more. Then he goes on and he picks that part, his own little statement he makes. He picks a part in a way that, honestly, I've never picked up on. I never picked on it. The bigger picture, the, the, the smaller every day and the grander, the whole thing, how we live, how then shall we live? And don't want this to be missed because I really feel like I missed out on this for all those years, and I don't want you to miss out for another minute. The, the how you live that he's talking about here is when you wake up in the morning, what do you do? Not the thing you do, but what do you do? How do you live your first moment out? How do you live the first hour of your day? How do you live the seventh hour of your day? How do you live the twelfth hour of your day? How do you live through your day? Not things you do. I don't want you to miss that. Not stuff you do. Well, you know, in order to be a good Christian, you have to have a certain haircut. Lord knows I don't have that haircut. Long, luxurious hair. If you were here, you could see it. Hippie from the crowd, Wes says. So here's the thing. You know, there's a certain look. Now, I have on beach shorts and a surf shirt and sandals. And I'm here to tell you, I don't look the part, right? So so if, if we were interpreting this to be the stuff we do, not how we live, what is your mindset? What is your paradigm? What is you, how do you think and therefore live the mechanics, the minutia and the grand of your day, your living of your life? is your calling. Whoa, I might have some scripture there. How to live in order to please God. This is how we please God. How we live. In the Thessalonian Kehala, believers had to be told. But you know as well as I do, if you tell somebody something, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's what you do. Now, the first time, I'll just tell on him, the first time, I, this is before my crash, the first time I went and played golf with my good buddy Jerry, I didn't really realize that Jerry was like the king of golf. I had no idea because he was so, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll take you, we'll go around and we'll hit a few balls, sure, sure, it'll be fun, be fun. Well, then we're out there, and I think we were at a tournament. The first time I ever played with you, I think it was that, you know, one of those fundraiser tournaments. And I'm watching this guy who's retired just kill everybody else. And they're grunting and throwing their clubs down. He's just getting up there smiling. And the ball goes a mile, and it goes exactly where it's supposed to go. And they're all standing there, you know, and they're mad and everything. And I'm just sitting there going, I think, I think I've been swindled here. Although there's no money on it. You know? But I thought, oh, good thing I saw this, you know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's how he does. Now, he, you know, he taught me some golf. Before I was in the crash, he taught me some golf. Every lesson was really good. But guess what? You know, I've taught tons of people how to shoot. 
you know, archery and, and weapons and all the different things. But if I if you said, well, can you show me? Oh, no, I can't show you. <laughs> shoot, I don't shoot. I teach people how to I don't shoot. I don't know. We have a, a music teacher here, uh, violin and fiddle, if we can talk them into it. It's amazing how the instrument can change right on your attitude. But uh, going from this really fine instrument to let's get up and dance. So, right, Charlotte? We might make it happen today. We're going to give it a try. So, so, but look, if he, if he couldn't, if my buddy Steve, if he couldn't play violin and he just talked, can you imagine? Who would listen to you in your instruction? Right? I've had the pleasure of having one of the greatest professors I've ever had, uh, Dr. Eli uh, Lazorkin, really, really just unbelievably effective at getting in your brain. I've had other great, like uh, Dr. Dennis Fry, the president of my seminary, um, Dr. Frazier, although he makes fun of me and makes me do stupid things while I'm driving down the road. You know, love him. Dr. Mullen, love him. All the other great professors that I've had, I've had some really great professors. And you know what? They taught me w- really well. They would say I was probably their greatest failure. But the point is, is they could teach me well because they could do it. They could do it. Now, if you had a Hebrew professor, let's just say Dr. Lorkin, um, if you had a Hebrew professor that taught Hebrew but couldn't speak a lick of it, now he's from Russia, so but if he couldn't speak a lick of it, you'd be in real trouble, wouldn't you? But you hear this guy start speaking, and uh, he can speak seven languages, but when he speaks Hebrew, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 he can do it. He can do it. You know, so, so my point there is, it's really important. Now, think about your kids as an analogy. Think about your children. Most of the children here are grown uh, or they grown. Um, and so, so think about your kids. You know, your kids learn from you. But they don't learn as much from the mouth as they do the do. It's what you do. Your kids watch what you do. Sorry, son. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your kids learn by watching what you do. Not as much as what you say. So it, to, to pull the Hebrew out of this, the, the concept and the worldview is he's actually saying it's not your flapping lips that make a hill of difference. It's what you do. It's how you live. Let's pull that to unbelievers. The The unbelievers of the time and the unbelievers now. Just like we show our children. We we tell our kids, right? You don't not tell them, uh, you know, Dad, how I use lawnmower. You don't just mow the grass and go, well, I showed you. You should know now. Um, you know, you, you, you have to actually show them and tell them. You have to give some instruction. That's how it is with unbelievers. There is a certain, you know, we have to represent ourselves a certain way. It doesn't mean we have to have the special jacket and the patches and all this stuff and the certain haircut and wear the certain, you know, all that. The church buzzwords, which I abhor, the churchy language, I just don't like it. I think it's alienating. And most often, theologically, to be fair, correct. It's totally incorrect. But that's not for nothing. Other story. So we show our kids how to live first by teaching them with words, and then we show them. We do it, and they watch our every day. When we don't think they're looking, they see us, and they amuse us. 
either for the good or the bad. But we show unbelievers every day. We show them. We show them how we treat them. You know the neighbor that doesn't like you? The neighbor that doesn't like you. Now, I'm not talking about the neighbor you don't like. The neighbor that doesn't like you. And you just can't figure out, why in the world does this person not like me? So you develop an attitude towards and you talk differently to them because you're like, well, you don't like me. You know, you talk to them like a jerk. That's a simple little thing, what you say. But it's also in what you do. Let's say your neighbor's trash can is knocked over. And you know the trash people aren't going to be here for another hour. Do you walk out? You know they're long gone at work. Do you go out and pick it up? You see a, a package gets put on, you know, the, the delivery person puts a package. You see it starts to rain. And you happen to be home. Do you get a trash bag and put it over that? People say, well, that's none of my business. That's why we're not winning people for Christ, because we got our mouth flapping. We're not willing to be unlovely. There's lots of unlovely. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. I'm up. Anyway, I say I'm, I'm going to talk about this, and here I am talking. Anyway, let me go on with that. I'll beat that to death in a minute. For you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of the Lord Yeshua. In other words, the church in Thessalonica, they they had already been told. And people say, "Well, I can't understand why. Why didn't they just do what the Lord? Why didn't they just do what the Lord said?" Doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, you know, people are a crazy church. Really, they were in a time of utter turmoil. Stuff was crazy up in there, and there was all these competing cultures. Part of the 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 uh, Jewish culture was being squished out and under thumb. Uh, you had a whole group of people wanted to understand more of what they believed. They knew they were part of something radical. But they also were persecuted horribly for being part of that. But they just needed instruction to be told and to be shown. So Joel is really smart here. He reminds them, look, I done told. And look, I done showed you. I told y'all, and I showed y'all. So he's reminding him, but he's also, this is so important, for you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of the Lord Yeshua. Remember last week's message? I said that state alone would have gotten Shaul killed. Why? Because he's saying, the Lord God spoke to me. The Lord God spoke to me. Chat's not working. I, I apologize, people. I don't know why. I don't know any of that stuff. I just log in and hope it works. So the religious, the pious, pharisaical group, of which Paul, or Shaul, he was a bigwig. I mean, he was really, really, really well regarded. He had one of the top teachers at the time. Uh, he was the Jew's Jew at the, at the very highest level. So now all of a sudden this dude is going around telling people something radically different. Uh, and that made enemies. That made him a lot of enemies. But I'll say this. not This won't be a shock to either the live audience or the radio audience, but we're not called to be politically correct. We are called to truth. Anyway, here we go. What God wants is that you be holy. You keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner, without giving in to lustful desires like the pagans who don't know God. Basically, he's saying here, run from, aggressively avoid trouble. And this is not a shock to anybody. For a lot of people, 
managing your your, your sexuality. Your apparently Caitlyn Jenner has failed in the managing the sexuality department. But let's be fair. Let's be fair. Honestly, if if I was if I was walking on the street and he slash she was getting beat upon, I would risk my life and defend them because it's not right. It's it's what I don't know what's going on in his brain, in his body chemistry. I don't understand all that, the hormonal stuff he must have. But I'll tell you this: we can't beat on the guy. We can't we can't beat him up and all this. I hear I see some of the craziest things. But at the same time, they're giving this guy the Arthur Ashe Award for courage. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. It's such a juxtaposition in society today. There's one side which is not the Christian right. Uh, he's had all kinds of threats and all kinds of stuff. It's not even the Christian right that's doing this. It's it's wacky groups that don't have anything to do. By the way, uh, Westboro Baptist Church tried to make I say Baptist Church, air quotes. Yeah, because they're not. You realize they're only they're only formed as a church to derive certain protections. They're all lawyers. The Phelps families are all lawyers. Did you guys know that? Oh yeah, the whole family's lawyers, starting with the dad. Uh, the daughter is the most revered and feared lawyer in the family and what they do is they come to these places they put signs up they do all this stuff to get a big publicity hope somebody punches them in their grill and how they sustain themselves is through lawsuits they win every time they've never lost they've never lost well they came and they were thwarted at the Bo biden funeral it's amazing what they'll what they'll come and they'll they'll do anyway run or aggressively avoid trouble it it, it is the sexual impulse thing um, it's 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 a huge struggle for for countless people, um, normal people, everyday people, regular folk, and that's why full on pedal to the metal marriage is so important. People hate this when I bring this up. I have a little counseling practice. When I bring this up, I I to them, look, this is this is why you got to work on your 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 relationship, your marriage, because it was designed to help with that. Say, oh, you know, all right, let me address the, the elephant in the room. Josh Duggar. Have you ever seen something that was so misrepresented in order to tear down what is inarguably one of the best families in this country? I have a good friend that's very close friend. They're the real deal. They're good people. Uh, have to hand it to Megyn Kelly from Fox for pulling out of them what actually happened. And having heard that, and having heard that Josh himself is the one that came to his family first, his family did all the things they were supposed to do, um, and put into place many safeguards, all these things. And at 14 years old, now he's a grown man. They're going. He's lost his job. Shame on the Family Research Council. Uh, he's lost his job. He's had death threats. The family, you know, is being treated not that they were ever treated wonderfully because. You know, God forbid you have a family with 19 kids, um, amazing people. And and all I can tell you is is that this is the most ridiculous witch hunt I've ever seen. Now there's people, even like uh, Dr. Keith Ablow, don't get me started, uh, he builds himself as a conservative, but he's going after the family saying, you know, 19 kids. Who should be allowed to have 19 kids? Keyword here, allowed. He said allowed on national television. Who should be allowed to have 19 kids? Who can watch 19 kids? I would stack the 
stuff, each and every one of them, from the youngest to the oldest, including Josh, as far as quality people, reliable, trustworthy people. Whoa, wait a second. He's a sexual predator. Really? He was 14 years old. If you watch the, the uh, show, the Megyn Kelly show, and also some of the other interviews that have come out, you realize they're making it. They're, making, they're calling the Duggar home house of horrors. This is the liberal press. So we say this is why we have to live above reproach in order to uh, fend these things off. I'm here to tell you, ain't nobody lives a better life than the Duggars. I'll guarantee you that, Duggar. You want to throw rocks? I'll throw lead back at you faster than you can throw me a rock. Throw a rock at me. I'm telling you, these good people, they're quality people. No matter how they live their lives. In fact, here's what Dr. Keith Ablo actually, actually said. He said, and they tell the kids they can't hold, they can't even hold hands until they're engaged. They can't even hug or kiss until they're engaged. They're, they can't even kiss. Or no, they can't even kiss until they're married. Their first kiss. Who does that? Who does? You're in trouble. They've managed to do it. That's not what made this kid do that. They say, well, you know, they've got a lot of nerve going on TV with this happening. Really? Because when he was 14, that was before the TV thing happened. And not for nothing, going to going to TV and, and being on this reality show, guess who came to them? The network came to them. Not. They didn't go to the network and say, hey, would you guys like to do a show about us? No, they came to them. And you know what? The cameramen for the last 10 years that have watched these kids grow up are like family. And the cameramen now, unfortunately, the one, you know, the show's been shelved. Very successful. One of the most successful um, reality show in history. And it's been shelved. They didn't want to hear anything. But the cameramen that are no longer on the show or working for that network are now coming out and saying, wait a second, that ain't the kind of house that's going on there. House of Horrors is ridiculous. You know, uh, several of them have tell stories about stuff that happened. Anyway, I just want to make this point because I create an image that if we live a certain way, according to what Shaul is saying, it doesn't always guarantee that the press or the liberal society or any of these things doesn't always guarantee they're going to look at us and represent us appropriately presents us god does we present ourselves before god and god our protector and our counselor so anyway all that said to say no one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him because the lord punishes all who do such things as we have explained to you before at length now take advantage of your brother wrong your brother take advantage of your brother uh, how many of here? Now I know Mr. Stavely runs a very ethical business. I, I he has a phenomenal reputation, and I know what kind of guy he is. He has a, a auto repair business, and I know if you want to be treated properly and have excellent work done on your vehicle, that's who you go to. And you're he's not going to tell you something's wrong with your car if it's not wrong with your car. And still. I'm sure over the 20-some years, somebody has come in there and not been satisfied and walked out of there saying, well, that's Stabley. He's no kind of man. You know, he's a Christian. They got crosses all up in there. Oh, I wouldn't go to them. Them Christians you can't trust. To illustrate 
you know, we can't wrong each other because he's talking about the community here. Somehow we treat each other. Now, I know in this group we treat each other wonderfully. We love each other. By the way, congratulations to Austin for graduating high school. Say that out to the big group. Austin, great, great young man, graduated from high school. Excited to see what you've got going next. Um, by the way, hello to Sue in Texas. We miss you. You're missed here. She's in Texas, and she says, boy, is it hot in Texas. Same thing. You know, it is hot in Texas. So just, it's June. Um, okay. So anyway, or take advantage of him. What is, do you see a difference between wrong wrong person or taking advantage of a person? I do. In the Hebrew culture, it's interesting because to do a wrong to someone is different than to take advantage of them. When, when you made a mistake, uh, maybe somebody said, hey, can you tie up my horse? Would you tie up my horse for me? And you tie it up, but you don't do a great job, and the horse gets loose. And the person has to run their horse, or the horse gets hit you know, by a bus that was around a lot of times, and a lot of, bus, a lot of buses hitting horses back in biblical times. Um, it's a joke grenade. Pull the pin, throw it later on. Uh, so let's say you tied up the horse, and something happened to the horse. Horse got away. Something happened to the horse. Lion got the horse. You didn't do that on purpose, but you did wrong. Because you didn't approach your task with excellence. To take advantage of the, some of someone in this culture is to purposely trick them. It's to purposely trick them. You know, if I say to Steve, Steve, I got this uh, violin here. I got it to sale at the auction. It's a Stradivarius. But I know it's not a Stradivarius. Now, I know Steve is going to, he'll know in a second. But. And I try to trick him. Oh, this is the Rolex watch, everybody. You get this Rolex watch. Yeah, I'll sell it to you for fifty, dollars It's an $8,000 watch, really. And I know it's a fake watch. Come on. Right? I'm taking advantage of somebody. I'm, I'm taking advantage. It, there is a difference there, and they're both wrong. Because the Lord punishes all who do such things, as we have explained to you before at length. Now, let me say this. I talked to somebody today who I dearly love. I told you who I was talking to today, um, whose brother was murdered last year. Brother was murdered. And it, and it's really clear who murdered the brother. But for whatever reason, in a small town uh, that the brother lived in, the police are not arresting the person. They don't even seem to care about the investigation. And so there's a major wrong that's been done. And she said to me, the sister of the of the murdered fella said, I had to come to the fact, I had to come to the place where I understood, accepted, you know, you may have gotten away with it here, but everybody faces God. He will bring justice. And that's that's absolutely a fact. Um, so the Lord punishes all who do such things, as we have explained to you at length. For God did not call us, here we go, I told you this was coming, for God did not call us clean life, but a holy one. Therefore, whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting man, but God, indeed the one who gives you the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit, which is his. Now, again, this is very un-PC of Shaul to say, especially the way he said this. Because in Hebrew culture and language, how you say something, you could make a statement, and how you say something a certain way can make a big difference. How many know there's there's you can uh, the same thing seventeen to nineteen different ways literally 
The same words and everything, but how you pronounce it makes a difference on what you're saying and what it means. But I, I want you, let, let, me, let me go back to this just a second. For God did not call us to live an unclean life, but holy one. Therefore, whoever rejects his teaching is rejecting not a man, rejecting not a man, but God. Indeed, the one who gives you Hakodesh, which is the Holy Spirit, is his. Now, do you feel your life the way you live your life is your calling? Yeah, there's a lot of bobbing heads here that say, yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, there's a lot of people, though, that's a foreign thought. What do you mean how I live my life? is my call- What is my calling? My calling is whether or not I want to be a welder or a military fireman uh, or, or a marketing professional or a homemaker or a doctor or a teacher uh, or a writer or a mechanic or, you know, uh, any number of things. all these things that you could do. No, that's my calling. No. No, that's not your calling. Your calling is how you live your life. Guess where? Right where you are. That's your calling. People say to me, Dr. Sean, Ninja Pastor, I, I need to know calling is my life is, is in my life. What should I do? And I say to them, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Worship and serve. That's our commandment. It's as simple and as basic as that. Don't want to step on any toes because I don't know if they're listening, but if they are, I've made my point clear. Most people or many people, especially in the Christian community, think they have to go to a place like Nigeria to live out your calling from God. You live out your calling. You can absolutely be in the center of God's will for your life, for all people who follow Christ right where you are. It's your calling is your life. Many of my Jewish friends, uh, who, who, I mean, Jewish, live in Israel. They're Israeli. Uh, some have been born there. Some have come from France, from, um, from Germany, from Russia, others, other places. Uh, my friends, they... They they laugh at how a lot of Christians say Christians are always talking about doing that thing. We have this program uh, to show our faith in God. We 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 have this special thing that we do to show our faith. You know what we do, Israel, as practicing Jews, we live, live. Our living is our calling, and we live for God, for Hashem. We live for God. How we live our life is our calling. That's powerful stuff. I'm not saying people shouldn't go to Nigeria. I'm just saying get this down first. I know it would take me a long time. Concerning love for the brothers, we do not need to write you for you yourselves have been taught by God. Now, he's reminding them in this one passage several times now. He's saying, you're taught by God. You were shown by God. We showed you by the authority of God. And here we go again. 
We do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God. What does God do when when we place our faith in Christ as the Messiah? He begins to work a change in our lives. How do we practice and evidence that? How do we do that? We do that through living out our calling. Living out our calling, which is our life. Now, holiness, we're going to talk about holiness here in a second. Holiness is always the goal. I don't ever want you to think that I'm asking you to aim at lower than holiness. Holiness, living holiness, say, you know, they're afraid of that term because holiness as applied to us mere mortals is a different term than referring to the capital H, holy God. It's a different thing. It's a manner of living toward holiness. Does that mean we never make a mistake? Does it mean we're perfect? No. It doesn't mean that at all. Guess what? No matter how good, and there are some great people in this room, really great people in this room, we, we all make bad choices. We all struggle with certain uh, struggles. We all have hurts, efforts, and hang-ups that trip us up along the way. But I like how he says this. You've got to love people. I'm writing a piece now uh, for the doctor I'm working on now, and i got to notice that you better start submitting some work, mister. <laughs> so I've been killing myself getting it done. Um, but I'm writing a piece now talking about how I don't know that I would have liked Shaul. Uh, very few would like him. He was arrogant, yet ridiculously humble. He was a know-it-all because he knew it all. And you would get mad at him because he knows it all. Oh, you're such a know-it-all. Yeah, I kind of do, you know. And yet, well, how can you how can you tell us all these things when you were the one helping to kill Christians, followers of Christ? You you were a great persecutor, and now you're telling us this. I would have liked the guy until I'd have forced myself. Till I, you know, he gets a package from UPS. I raining. I go out. I put a, a put a, a, a flash bag over it, you know, and we start kind of working our way together to understand. How many of you, you know, uh, I, I have this dear friend, uh, he's 85 years old, his name is Mortimer, Morty, and he is a Brooklyn Jew, born there, did leave, but for a short period of time uh, in his 80s, and now he's back. He's living out the end of his life there in Brooklyn. Uh, went to school, everything. Born literally in Brooklyn, grew up, went to school, and did his business, read everything. You name it, he did there in Brooklyn. And to talk to Morty, he's four foot ten, but he's mighty. And if you're listening, trust me, I know you're mighty. Uh, he's four foot ten, and he's a powerful guy. He can argue any point with anyone. And so one day I said, Why are you being so contrary? Everything I say you got an argument about. He goes, so you go to you go to you go to college. They taught, they teach you about Hebrew, right? They teach you the Hebrew worldview. Oh, okay. I see. Well, he was absent that day. You had a little sniffle. He stayed home because you had a little sniffle. I said, no, I didn't stay home. I'm saying you got to argue with everything. He says, oh, okay, that's arguing. You think? He says, I don't think you'd have made it ten minutes in Hebrew school. He says, I have arguments because people who know their point argue their point. Why? Because they're committed. They're committed to the point. You've got to know your point well enough to argue with somebody. What am I, little fool fan? You know, you're, you're all bent out of shape because, oh, my feelings are so hurt. 
I love the guy. I really love the guy. He's living out his last days, man. But I have to tell you, he's right. He actually represents how you learn in Hebrew culture. Is It's very much an exchange. I remember Dalla Zorkin when, when it would be time for questions. Had students from all over the world, he was any questions. We're opening, we're opening up for questions now. And after 30 seconds and nobody asked a question, he goes, you know these people are going to get me fired. He's the head professor, so he's not going to get fired. You people are going to get me fired. And somebody one day said, why do you keep saying that? He said, because if you don't have questions, I'm not doing my job pulling away at your the things you know now, you think you know. You, so we got to have that dialogue. Some people call it arguing. We're not arguing. This is how we do. This is how we go back and forth. I have to confess that I've had to learn that over the years, and I've come to love it, come to love it. So anyway, taught by God uh, to love each other, and you do love all the brothers throughout. Oh, wait, wait, let me go back here. Let me go back here. Do you remember your favorite teacher in all of your schooling, all of your formal schooling? You remember yours? You remember her name? Okay. Dr. Gerslin. Anybody else remember their, their favorite teacher? What's the name of their favorite teacher? Miss Science. What grade? Year? So English senior school, 80, what are you, 82 now? 82 years old. Anybody else? Favorite teacher? Yes, ma'am. Mr. Dean, what did he teach in what year? Out. Oh, you're weird. Algebra and geometry. Something's really wrong with Miss Charlotte. Uh, and what, how old were you? Sophomore, junior, in high school. Anybody else? Mrs. Whiteside for reading, and, and how old were you when you were there? Yeah, right, eight years old. You remember your favorite teacher. Why? Why do you remember? Because they were so good at what they did. They're so good at what they did. You connected so well with the word. Can you argue with a better? Look, Paul, Shaul, could, he could teach great. Obviously, he taught great. One of the greatest minds in all of history. The church, uh, how different would it have been without Kepha or Peter and Shaul or Paul? How different would it have been? God knew who he was picking when he, when he prompted his son, Yeshua, to say, hey, see that fisherman over there? He'd be a good one. I'm sure Yeshua was like, really? Because he didn't do good. He wasn't a great Talmudim, I'm just saying. Yeah, he was not that great. He's a fisherman. You know? Paul, you aware, Lord? Throwing rocks. Urging people to kill Stephen. I'm just saying. No. God is the best teacher taught by God. For you yourselves have been taught by God. Where does God do his work? Us. In our heart. He does it in our heart. He comes in to our heart. The only way he comes in is if he is invited. When do you have to do that invitation? Every day. When you're living out your calling. Every, people say, well, that's heretical to our doctrine, you know, the Baptists and the, the Methodists and all, you're saved once. I, I get that argument. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we are taught every day. We're changed every day when we live out our calling, and our calling is our life. So taught by God to love each other, 
Listen, sometimes you've got to be taught by God. You've got to be nudged by God to love people because people are unlovable people sometimes. Uh, I saw this person on Facebook, and her only post was, just hate people. That's all. She literally wrote, I just hate people, period. That's all, period. And she had 164 comments. You know, oh, what happened? You know, something wrong. Sometimes people put up things, you know, so they'll get people to respond and go, oh, what's the matter? I'm so sorry. What's wrong? What can I do for you? You know, this type of thing because they want attention. But this person got what she was saying. Sometimes people are just – and then the next thing she posted, a separate post, was of the, the uh, genital um, mutilation of – ISIS is doing all these genital mutilations of these little girls. Some Listen, those are people we should kill. But I'm saying sometimes your neighbor, yeah, I said it. They don't call me the ninja pastor for nothing. Uh, you know, there's some people just so evil. The only thing that's going to change them is lead at 1,255 feet per second. Men laying their cranium. That's just how it works. I didn't make them that way. They made themselves that way. Um, I'm just a solution. So I'm just helping them. Amen. Uh, helping them really quickly. So here's my thing, though. There are people in our lives, you know what, sometimes it's our families. And it's hard to love them. To love someone is not to endorse or agree with them when they're egregiously wrong. You love each other, and you love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to do it even more. How much, let me ask you a question. Four minutes. I go on and on and on. I miss out the whole thing. Um, How much... Human love is enough. We never seem to have enough, right? We never do. I need lots of love. I'm I'm that way. I know I'll admit it. I need lots of love. And human love is just really, really, really insufficient sometimes. How do we love one another? God's love is always enough. It's always enough, but God's love, his love through another person, through another human being. You say, man, I feel the love of God in what you are doing, in what you are saying, and in how you're doing what you're doing, what you just did for me. Sometimes coming uh, to a person's side, not just talking about your talk, let me know if you need anything, and then while they're hanging their phone really fast before you can say what you need, well, I sure could help. If you could vacuum my house, I can't do it, I'm hurt. If you could do that, or if you could read to me, whatever. They're like, oh, I'm, so, oh, I mess, I'm sorry, I lost connections. It's bad self. You know, it's coming. It's coming alongside and saying, how can I help you? What can I do? Looking around and saying, well, the trash cans could use emptying. You know? Any number of things of Christ. That's where his love is really made clear. Uh, also, make it your ambition to live quietly. To mind your own business and to earn... This is scripture, folks. I'm not making this up. Also, make it your ambition to live quietly, to mind your own business. We would add another word sometimes when we're mad, right, before business. Mind your own word business. To earn at that neighbor, you know, nosy neighbor, right, that you should probably put a thing on because it's raining on their package. And I don't mean go out there and look over their pack. Oh, what are they getting? Well, let me shake it and see what it is. Anyway, that's another story. 
just as we told you, earn, well, here it is, to mind your own business and to earn your living by your own efforts, just as we told you, then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders. Who are outsiders? Exactly, non-Christians. Anybody outside of the faith. You will gain the respect of the outsiders. Here's what the folks that live around the Duggars, that know the Duggars, whether they agree with having 19 kids or not, here's what they say about the Duggars. I'll tell you, I would never have 19 kids. I think that's a mental illness. To have that many kids, right? You want that many kids running around? Are you out of your mind? But i got to respect them for how they raise their kids and how they treat each other and how they treat people around them, even people who are unkind to them. Because let me tell you something, folks. I know this firsthand experience from people who live it with them. The Duggars treated horribly, horribly. If you could see, not just since this came out, well before treated horribly, yet everywhere they go, after they're somewhere, people say there's something different. There's something beautiful about these people. They want more of what they have. They live quietly. They mind their own business. They earn their own living by their efforts, just as we told you. Then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders, and you will not be dependent on anyone. Daily life. Daily life. Live out your calling. Your life is what you're called to do. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. <laughs>